time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Friday, January the 21st. 2022. It is the day of the National March for Life in Washington, D.C. Praise be to God. That's going to be uh, starting kicking off, I don't know, I think it's around 11 o'clock for their pre-rally concert kind of thing. So those festivities are going down today. So hopefully, prayerfully, everything will go smooth. Hopefully they'll get a large crowd again this year. But with the uh, mandates, we're going to have to just wait to see. Uh, But we'll be updating you more on that um, and some of the pro-life stories in the news today on the program. Uh, But uh, Edward Penton is going to be joining us at 15 past this hour. He has an article out at the National Catholic Register detailing two previously undisclosed meetings between the Pfizer CEO and His Holiness Pope Francis. And uh, giving us an update on the status of what's going on at the Vatican in light of the fact that, like England and Spain and other countries are rolling back all of their mandates, the Vatican seems to be holding steady. What is the impact there? What's the latest information on that? Uh, Edward Penton from the National Catholic Register will update us at 15 past the hour. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Theone Bell is going to be our guest. She is the author of a book published by 10 called The Woman in the Trees. It is a novel. It is a story based around the only American-approved apparition, Our Lady of Good Help, up in Wisconsin. And we're going to have a conversation about... Uh, the apparition itself, the miracles involved, and the story, and why she felt compelled to write this story. Theone Bell is going to be joining us at 35 past the hour. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. I'm looking forward to that uh, that interview. You know, there's a lot of uh, Marian shrines here in the United States that we could travel to. I think we forget that sometimes. You know, we think yes. about Europe, like, oh, let's go to Europe and see something there. But there's a lot of stuff around the neck of the woods here. I personally love some of these shrines up in the Wisconsin area, too. Our Lady of Guadalupe is amazing. Praise mm-hmm. be to God. Uh, Holy Hill outside Milwaukee is stunning. Uh, and then to go to this apparition, I've never been there. I bet I'd love to. I would. I'm someday I'm going to take a bus full of pilgrims up to Wisconsin and visit. Like there's like seven different shrines we could go to up there, and maybe stop to you know St. Louis along the way. I mean, there's some cool stuff. Catholic drive time road trip. Yes, I can. I can envision that someday. Let's let's pray that that happens. <laughs> hey, did you hear the story about the pro-choice air quotes Catholic group? putting uh, words up on the Basilica, the shrine? Yeah, it's really a shame nobody went out there and, uh, you know, office-spaced their projectors I think somebody did. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Did uh, somebody go all Benedictine uh, with a hammer on I wish, but they did not. No. No. The closest thing that happened (laughs) was... A some uh, some good Samaritan came and stood in front of the projector so the projection wouldn't be blasted onto the church. But what we're talking about, for those who are not aware, is some uh, the Catholics for Choice and air quotes Catholics for Choice uh, were projecting pro-choice messages onto the Basilica of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception in Washington D.C. And uh, terrible, some, yeah, it's absolutely diabolical. So, uh, other pro-life news today: seventy-one percent of Americans support abortion restrictions, according to a, a recent poll. More on that in this hour. And then, of course, the Supreme Court comes out yet again, holding up the Texas heartbeat bill. Yeah, praise, praise be to God. God. So that's awesome. Speaking of Texas, if you are going to be at the Austin March for Life, 
come and find me. I'm going to be there tomorrow with a group of about eight or nine people. I'll be have, with my siblings will be the, coming with me, and I'll be with the TFP. So if you see them with red capes and a statue of Lady of Fatima, that's where I will be. So come and say hi. Uh, so, real quick before we jump in, don't forget to get your car raffle tickets. Some lucky Catholic radio listeners are going to drive away in a brand new Mercedes. It is a 2022 GLA 250 in night black. It's quite nice. And uh, it's a wonderful looking uh, car, but more importantly, we get to use the proceeds to keep our Catholic radio apostolate alive and well. We'd be grateful for your support. Go to grnonline.com to get your tickets, to get the rules or, or more information, grnonline.com. Oh, one other thing, I know for folks my age or older, Meatloaf died. Uh, the the, uh, the infamous Meatloaf died at 74 years old, so... Uh, Yikes! What a rocky, what a rocky and rocky roll life that he lived. Let's pray for the repose of his soul. I'm not sure what the state of his situation was at, at death, but let's pray for him and others that are going to face death today. Let's jump in and pray for all souls today around the world that uh, God, in His infinite mercy and kindness, will be with them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known. That anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning, thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos, and let's dive right into the headline news for today. Breitbart reports Joe Biden clarifies Russia comments again after uproar during, oops, excuse me, again during uproar over Ukraine. President Joe Biden again tried to clarify his comments Thursday about how the United States would respond if Russia invaded Ukraine. If any assembled Russian units move across the Ukrainian border, that's an invasion, Biden stressed during a White House event on infrastructure on Thursday, promising punishing economic sanctions if Russian President Vladimir Putin crossed the line. Biden commented, Biden's comments seem to suggest that unassembled Russian units could cross into the Ukraine and not trigger a response a day after the White House spent several hours trying to clarify the president's comments about Putin to concerned allies. Biden shocked the world after he suggested during a press conference on Wednesday that he would, that it was a foregone conclusion that Putin would move into Ukraine. He also suggested that a minor incursion into the country could not necessarily provoke a response from the United States. Some Republican senators denounced Biden's comments as a sign of weakness to Putin and the rest of the world, suggesting he was abandoning Ukraine to the Russians. And The Blaze reports Austria to mandate COVID-19 vaccination for most adults and find the non-compliant. Austria's parliament on Thursday voted to impose a COVID-19 ma- vaccine mandate requiring people ages 18 and older to get vaccinated or face fines, according to the Associated Press, which noted that the mandate would take effect in February. Reuters reported that the country's lower house of parliament approved the bill, which would also need to clear the upper house and secure the president's signature, though the outlet said that those additional moves would in large part represent formalities. The sweeping vaccine mandate for adults does not include several does include several exemptions, including pregnant women, individuals who cannot get the jab due to medical reasons, and people who have recuperated from the illness within a prior six months, according to the AP. Those who recently had the illness are exempt for 180 days from when they had their first positive PCR COVID-19 test, CNN reported. And The Hill reports federal appeals court rules California's pandemic gun store shutdowns violated constitution. A federal appeals court ruled Thursday that two California counties 
that shut down gun stores as non-essential businesses in 2020 due to the coronavirus pandemic violated the Constitution's Second Amendment. Los Angeles and Ventura County officials had previously won lower court decisions stating that gun stores were not immune from shutdown orders established early in the pandemic to curb the spread of COVID-19, according to the Associated Press. Those rulings were both rejected by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. Judge Lawrence Van Dyke wrote that the Second Amendment means nothing if the government can prohibit all persons from acquiring any firearm or ammunition. But that's what happened in this case. And MarketWatch reports Dow posts fifth straight loss as stock market bounce runs out of steam. Stocks ended lower Thursday, giving up early gains as investors appeared unable to shake off worries over a rising interest rate environment. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Albin Bartholomew Rowe, a one of the English martyrs. Bartholomew Rowe was born in 1583 in Suffolk. He was brought up a Protestant with his brother James. They converted to Catholicism and both became Benedictine monks. Rowe's conversion experience was unusual. He tried to convert an imprisoned Catholic to Protestantism, but found himself defeated in argument. From this time, according to Schalliner, Mr. Rowe was very uneasy in mind upon the score of religion, nor did this uneasiness cease till by reading and confessing with Catholic priests, he was thoroughly convinced of his errors and determined to embrace the ancient faith. Having found the treasure of God's truth himself, he was very desirous to impact this, impart the same to the souls of his neighbors. Consequently, in 1607, he entered the English College of, du- of Douai to study for the priesthood. He was expelled from the college in 1610 due to his temperament. He became a founder member of the new English Benedictine community at St. Edmund, Paris. Hence his, his religious name, St. Albin of, or Albin of St. Edmund. Rowe was professed in 1612, and after ordination in 1615, he joined the mission and worked in London, being arrested and deported shortly after his arrival. He returned in 1618 and was imprisoned until 1623, whereby his release and re-exile was organized by the Spanish ambassador of Godarmor. Richard Schalliner notes him translating several pious tracts into English, some of which he caused to be published in print, others he left behind him in manuscripts. In 1641, he was transferred to a close confinement within the strict Newgate prison. In his trial in 1642, he was found guilty of treason under the Statute 27 for being a priest. The judge was intimidated by Roe, making a mockery of his proceedings. Roe declared, My Savior has suffered far more for me than all that, and I am willing to suffer the worst torments for his sake. This judge sent him back to his prison where he was advised by who Chandler described as some grave and learned priest to follow the example of those before him and consent to being tried by the court. The judge suspended the sentence and sent him back to prison for a few days. Roe's fame led to constant stream of visitors of whom struggled the necessities for him to say mass in his cell. Roe preached in a jovial fashion on his way to his death and to the crowd about the meaning of his death. He was still playing to the crowd, holding up the proceedings by asking the sheriff whether he could save his life by turning into a Protestant. The sheriff agreed, and Roe then turned to the crowd, declaring, See then what the crime is for which I am to die, whether religion be not my only treason. St. Albin Bartholomew Roe, Pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. 
Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Chrysostom said, For the gospel preaching is hidden in this world. And if you do not sell your all, you will not purchase it. And this you ought to do with joy. I think that is so, like, that is the punchline right there. If you do not sell your all, you will not purchase it. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have both this world and that treasure as well. You have to give up on this world to enjoy the treasure, to transform this world, to save more souls. Therein lies the catch. St. Hilary said, This treasure is indeed found without cost, for the gospel preaching is open to all. But to use and possess the treasure with its field, we may not without price. For heavenly riches are not obtained without the loss of this world. Hadock's commentary says, This hidden treasure is the gospel of Christ, which conducts to the kingdom of heaven. Thus, he who by the knowledge which the gospel affords has found the kingdom of heaven should purchase it at the expense of everything most dear and near to him. He cannot pay too great a price for his purchase. I really want to hammer this and let this sink in for us today. How much are we holding on to this world? How much do we compromise with this world? How much do we, we want both the things and the beauties and, and the, the, the natural things of this world at a higher price than the glories of eternity in heaven? Whatever we sacrifice on earth, we shall get back in tenfold in the beatific vision, should we make it there, according to our Lord's words. And we have to make deep and difficult decisions in this planet while we sojourn here, while we make our way towards the promised land, we are in the wilderness. We must be able to have that decision in our life to give up everything, to put it all on the line, to buy that field, to purchase those precious pearls that they may transform our life, that we may obtain heaven. It's that or bust. Amen. We'll be right back. What's concerning us? And Edward Penton is coming up next. So you're driving to work while listening to Catholic Drive Time. But you're not just driving any car. You're driving a midnight black 2022 GLA 250. Make 2022 your year by supporting the GRN and possibly winning a GLA 250 by going to grnonline.com and buying five tickets for $100 or $25 for one. Raffle ends February 21st and you must be 18 or older to participate. We live with the illusion that we are in control. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Yet, how much of life actually is under our control? We need to develop our talents and make prudent preparations for the future. But how many times have our plans been sidetracked by forces outside our control? Sometimes, unexpected changes have even opened up new opportunities. In his rule, 
St. Benedict talks about the beauty and purpose of monastic life. The rule is very successful at separating the monks who live according to its teaching from the illusion of control, giving us a peaceful confidence in God's provident care. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com, O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. It's all preparation for our last act of letting go of control when we will have to commend our life trustingly into the Father's hands and death. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Real quick, I have a confession to make. I meant to say this at the top of the hour and just uh, got sidetracked with a bunch of other stuff. But yesterday I reported on what I said was the military archdiocese coming out with a clear policy on gender uh, confusion. Well, I was incorrect. It wasn't the military. It was Milwaukee. So I I don't know. I don't know how I made that mistake or confused these two other than the simple soundings of these two things. Uh, But I shouldn't. uh, I should have been more careful about that. Just wanted to make sure I clarified. It was the Diocese of Milwaukee that uh, put out that statement. At any rate, uh, coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to have a conversation with Theoni Bell. She has a book out from Tan called The Woman in the Trees, which is a novel, a very, uh, a very, uh, interesting story, a, a novel around the approved Marian apparition of Our Lady of Good Help up in Wisconsin. And it's based on historical details. And we're going to have a conversation about that coming up at 35 past the hour. But joining us right now via phone call is, uh, is Edward Penton, a, a, a journalist with the National Catholic Register and EWTN. And he has an article out this week called Pfizer and the Vatican. Sources say Pope Francis met privately twice last year with Pfizer CEO Albert Bourla. And to have a conversation around that, we've invited him on. Good morning to you, Edward Penton. Good morning. Praise be to God. Thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. So um, what is the story with these, uh, these meetings between the CEO of Pfizer and His Holiness Pope Francis? Well, this is something that, uh, that's emerged only now. Uh, I understand um, from good sources in the Vatican that, that uh, Pope Francis met um, Albert Bourla, who's the CEO of Pfizer, on two occasions um, last year. These weren't disclosed, un- unlike most meetings the Pope has. Uh, they were completely uh, kept private, um, which is unusual because uh, almost every important person who comes to see the Pope uh, is announced by the press office. Uh, This didn't happen. Um, And so these meetings took place basically in secret. Uh, That's all we know, really. We don't have any details about obviously what they talked about or or anything else, but the the Vatican hasn't denied it. Uh, Pfizer said that they don't have a policy of commenting on these meetings with their CEO. They say they're confidential, so they were unable to confirm or deny it. So the uh, so that's basically long and short of it, that uh, these meetings happened, but we never knew about it. Did these meetings happen in 2021? Yes, they did, yes. I understand they happened uh, last year, I think once early in the year, and I think another one perhaps midway through the year. Uh, and, of course, the CEO also addressed a Vatican conference in May last year, which was um, done online. So he didn't actually come here for that. Uh, but these meetings he did come here for. And uh, I know this from from sources who, who, who eyewitness sources who, who, who saw it. Is there, 
Is there any, is there a precedent here? Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned a minute ago that the, is the typical action is the press office says, hey, the Pope met with so-and-so, uh, even if they don't tell you what it's about. But is there a precedent for saying that on occasion the Pope does meet with people that they don't disclose and this might fall into a more innocent category? Or should, is this really standing out as something unusual? Well, it is. I mean, Obviously, a lot of the meetings that do happen, if they do happen at all, we will never know about because they're private and and they're kept well under wraps. But um, we do know that the Pope met Melinda Gates, the former wife of Bill Gates, uh, in November 2019, and that was never disclosed either. Uh, that is well known that that meeting happened. It's very many sources have confirmed it. Um, but you see, these are very rare sort of meetings that sort of leak out afterwards. And that's what's happened in this case. Mr. Penton, uh, I'm just curious, you know, uh, maybe to get your take as to what are the implications of a meeting like this? As you mentioned just just a few minute, moments ago, you know, there are meetings with uh, high-level ranking people from all over the world, some that we probably don't agree with all, all too well. But um, what are the implications yeah. in your mind uh, as to what this meeting has? Well, this it, it's interesting on the point. For the main fact that the Vatican has a contract with Pfizer to distribute the vaccines in the Vatican, and they signed this contract in December 2020 uh, with the Governor Torate, the, the governing body of Vatican City State, um, and it may, you see, it could, it, it's very much connected with that, but they, but they, uh, they didn't. Um, we don't know, obviously, what the details are of the meeting, but it, is, it does seem very clear that it's connected with this contract and that um, possibly it was done to maybe assuage some concerns about safety. Who knows? It's, uh, safety concerns are becoming quite an issue with these vaccines, um, but also the effectiveness and so forth. So, as I say, we don't know what the contents were, but that, that could well be part of uh, what was discussed. Um, Edward, I wanted to sort of get your take on something. So England is rolling back some of their mandates, and uh, I think some other countries in Europe are as well. The Vatican seems to be holding steady here. In fact, we saw uh, the story, or I think it was earlier this week, that uh, Cardinal Perilene uh, was sick as well as others, uh, even though everybody's vaccinated. But I really want to know about the mandates at Vatican City. I I've heard reports that uh, there are workers not being paid at this point because they refuse to get the vaccine. And even Swiss guards have been dismissed from service as a result of this. What is the story there? Yeah. Yes, I mean, this is really the crux of it, I think. It's, it's the mandates um, which are being enforced at the Vatican and in Italy in a very strong and uh, heavy-handed way. They're being uh, put, basically, you have to get the vaccine now to enter the Vatican. And from the end of January, you have to have the booster as well. Um, to work and to enter the Vatican, except for liturgies and paper audiences. But this is this is becoming quite a um, a major issue because, of course, these problems with the vaccines, the fact they're not so effective as they thought they were, uh, it makes it a problem. And, of course, there's a whole ethical aspect of the abortion uh, link to these vaccines, and yet the Vatican is mandating them. And so even though their own document issued by the CDF in December 2020 uh, strict clearly said that mandatory vaccines were not were not uh, ethical and yet they're going ahead and doing it so this is um, this is a problem I did get uh, I did hear from Cardinal Paralin the Vatican Secretary of State who said that 
Uh, it's, these Pfizer vaccines are morally acceptable to use because they, um, they only were tested using aborted uh, fetal stem cells. But uh, that, uh, even though the, a lot of people will still have problems in conscience taking them, uh, the Vatican is, is allowing no kind of religious exemption on those grounds. So, so these are the controversies surrounding this vaccine. Well, one thing and, it comes, uh, one question is, comes to mind. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I didn't mean yeah. to do that, Edward. But uh, one question that comes to mind is, with all the support for the Pfizer vaccine, which you said they said uh, is somehow morally acceptable, even though it was tested with aborted fetal tissue. Well, there is uh, apparently there is an, uh, a vaccine on the market called Covaxin that had nothing to do with aborted fetal tissues. And yet there's no word about saying, hey, there's a more morally acceptable uh, option. How come they're not promoting that? Why are they continuing to promote the ones that did have abortion tainted history? Well, this is a, this is a good question. And, and the fact is, there is also this other um, a uh, vaccine called Novavax, which is also uh, doesn't have that ethical concern, uh, but they, that's never mentioned here. It's never mentioned. Also, the whole issue of aborted tainted va- vaccines is never mentioned by the Vatican, um, not since the CDF document came out in December 2020. So, so that's a great mystery, and um, that's also possibly why this meeting uh, happened. It's, it's people are raising questions: Why is the Vatican being so strong on mandating these vaccines? Could it have something to do with these meetings with the CEO of Pfizer last year? Um, there seems to be some sort of contract, some sort of uh, agreement that we don't know about, which uh, which says that these vaccines must be mandated. Um, there's, it's, I think a lot of people are scratching their heads wondering how how this makes sense, um, especially given all the questions about this vaccine. And, and really just questioning whether it's how ethical is it to have these vaccines mandated given all these questions. And these are questions I put to Cardinal Parolin, and I hope um, he'll respond sometime because uh, he does tend to respond. But of course, now he's got COVID <laughs> having a poor, poor guy because he's got, um, even though he was uh, you know, vaccinated three times with the booster, but uh, he has caught COVID. And many people have in the Vatican despite these vaccines. So, so again, this is the, this is the problem with um, with these vaccines and the fact that they're trying to mandate them. That's that's the general feeling here. Speaking of the having three vaccines, uh, rumor is that in Israel, they're going to be moving toward a mandated fourth uh, booster shot. And they, as you just said, like people who are getting their third shot are already saying that they are, uh, that they're already getting it. There's a unreasonable amount of breakthrough cases and so do you see that it has happening in Rome? Is this going to be leading to that direction? Uh, and is, is this tied up exa- with, uh, with financials, or what's the motivation here? Well, it's an it's a open question. Who knows, really, if this is um, related to the financial question. But it, it does seem to be the case that there's, uh, that there's possibly a need for a fourth vaccine, fourth dose of this uh, vaccine because of these breakthroughs. But... Um, but they, the Vatican is not uh, mandating that, not yet at any rate. So we haven't um, we haven't seen that. But that could be something coming down the pike, that's for sure. Yeah. We have just a couple of minutes left with Edward Penton, a journalist with the National Catholic Register, who has an article which will link to Pfizer and the Vatican. But here's a question, Edward. What's the sense of the people uh, living in, in Rome? I mean, in Italy itself, there's been a lot of protests there. We, we've seen uh, some of that. Has that calmed down? Or are the people still frustrated with these green passes, these mandates and, and the like? Yes, um, they have calmed down, but that's 
partly because a lot of the population now is vaccinated. They've they've um, they've they've made it so difficult really to just live an ordinary life here that uh, most people have just given in and, and taken the vaccine. Of course, that wow. that means that fewer people are, are less likely to come out and protest. Um, but it's it's very much becoming a, a part of life, and of course. Uh, a lot of people are suspecting this is just a pathway to a sort of Chinese-style social credit system. Um, you, if you go into a, a, a cafe, you, you have to show a green pass just to be able to drink a coffee in that bar. Otherwise, you have to take it away. And there's no possibility of eating at restaurants or going to hotels or gyms or cinemas unless you are vaccinated. So it's um, it's it's quite interesting. And a lot of people have well, not a lot, but quite a few people have, have have observed how remarkable it is that people have just sort of complied with this and gone along with it, and not not acknowledged the, the sort of totalitarian um, element to all of this, and the fact that that's the sort of creeping totalitarianism that they're not may not be able to to get rid of. And this is uh, something a, a few Italians are, are noticing and speaking up about now, but it's um, but it's still very much a minority. We have just about a moment left here. Uh, do you think the Vatican will will consider rolling back, given that European countries are starting to roll back? I mean, even uh, uh, diocese in America has rolled back its fax mandate after the Supreme Court uh, decision recently. What do you think about the Vatican? Whether they'll uh, reverse it, I don't don't know. It could happen. Things will change in the spring because it's getting uh, the weather gets better and the va- and the, the spread uh, reduces. But we'll have to see because it's not. Uh, they seem quite intent on pursuing this, this policy, and I don't see it. Mm, okay. There's no signs at the moment of it being reversed. Yeah. Edward Penton, we're so grateful to you for being on with us today. Thank you so much. God bless you. Pfizer and the Vatican from the National Catholic Register will link up to it. But uh, we'll be right back. More breaking news and stories coming up next. God bless you, Edward. Have a great day. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts! When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says, The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. You could win a 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250 and help drive home the word of God. The GRN is raffling off this night black compact SUV with the luxury and performance you expect from Mercedes-Benz to support the mission of Catholic Radio. This car could be yours for only $25. Buy four tickets, you get one free. The 2022 GRN car raffle ends February 21st, so get your tickets today at grnonline.com raffle. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now more headlines. The Washington Times reports Maduro and Putin talk after diplomat hits hints at military activity. Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro on Thursday said he spoke by phone with President Russian, Russian President Vladimir Putin about cooperation between the two countries. 
The call came a week after Russia's chief negotiator in talks with the U.S. on tensions over Ukraine said he would neither confirm nor exclude the possibility of Russia sending military assets to Cuba and Venezuela if the U.S. and its allies didn't curtail their military activities on Russia's doorstep. Maduro's office in a statement said Putin expressed all his multidimensional support and backing for the defense of sovereignty and its pursuit of the development of the South American country. The statement said the president spoke of the increase in commerce between both countries, the launch of an air service between Venezuela's capital, Caracas, and Moscow, and Russia's supply of COVID-19 vaccines to Venezuelans. We exchanged we exchanged on issues related to existing cooperation in various strategic areas at the highest level, a relationship that has been strengthened by the unbreakable union of our peoples, Maduro tweeted. And Breitbart reports NCAA overhauls policy on trans athletes after UPenn swimmer dominates women's competition. One American News reports Vatican website gives space to group demanding female priesthood. The Vatican has given space on its website to a Catholic group that demands the ordination of women priests during consultations ahead of a key meeting next year. While the church remains opposed on women priests, the inclusion of resource material from the Women's Ordination Conference is part of an an opening up of debate on a range of issues that has pleased liberals but angered traditionalists. It follows the publication last month of material from a Catholic gay rights advocacy group on the same part of the website dedicated to the meeting which is known as a synod. That publication was criticized by Catholic conservatives who have accused Pope Francis and the Vatican of sending mixed signals on traditional teachings. The courageous dialogue called for by the synodal process must include open conversation about women's ordination, WOC said in a tweet, welcoming the inclusion of its material on the synod website. The U.S.-based organization package of background material is called Let Her Voice Carry, a synod toolkit for ordination justice advocates. The group calls itself uncompromising feminists for the group calls itself the uncompromising feminist voice for women's ordination and gender equity in the roman catholic church and its leaders assist in the ordinations of female priests which the church leaders say are illegitimate and invalid to put it nicely and the gateway pundit reports elizabeth warren thinks biden can save his imploding presidency by canceling student loan debt and those are your headline news this morning god love you Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Uh, we're very grateful to you. Don't forget to get your car raffle tickets over at grnonline.com. Brand new Mercedes is going to be given out in February. It could be you. You can find the details at grnonline.com. Uh, joining us on the show right now is the author of the book, The Woman in the Trees, Theone Bell. It's published by Tan, and it's based around the historical uh, account of apparitions in Wisconsin, and the miracles. And so we're going to have a conversation around that. Good morning to you, Theone Bell. Hey, Joe. Hi, Rudy. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Praise be to God. We're glad to have you on. Now, I imagine uh, a lot of people probably have not heard the story of, I have a little statue here, of Our Lady of Good Help, given to me by good friends that were leading pilgrimages up there. Uh, over the years, and uh, but I've never been there myself, so maybe you could start by just telling us what is the story of the uh, Marian apparitions that are approved and uh, and the miracles involved. So they were approved in 2010 by the local bishop in Green Bay, 
And then a few years later, the United States Council of Catholic Bishops made it a national shrine. So that's what we mean when we say it's church approved. And there are varying, varying levels of this type of approval, but this was deemed worthy of belief after a year of investigation. Um, so to, to see the apparition, we need to go back to 1859. That's when it happened. And Mary appeared to Adele Bryce. She was 28. She was a Belgian immigrant. And when her family and her people came to Wisconsin, it was just a wilderness. The trees were sometimes six feet across. So they lived out secluded in the forest for around five years. That means that they had no churches and the priests couldn't travel out there. So they were really losing their faith. Wow. Um, so the, uh, the first apparition happened to Adele while she was walking uh, on a path through the woods. And Our Lady said nothing. Adele was terrified. And she told her family and they said, it's probably a soul from purgatory and you should pray for them. She said that Our Lady appeared to hover in between two trees and she had a yellow sash, blonde hair and a crown of 12 stars. So again, Our Lady appeared in the same way, saying nothing. So finally, Adele asked her priest, what am I supposed to do? How do, how do I handle this? And the, her priest advised her to just ask, who are you and what do you want from me? So that same day, after speaking to her priest and going to Mass, she was on the trail on the way home with her sister and a friend. And Our Lady appeared and Adele got, you know, got down on her knees and she finally had the courage to ask our Lady, who are you and what do you want from me? And this is where we get the message of Our Lady of Good Help. Uh, there's two main parts to this message. The first one, uh, Our Lady introduced herself as the Queen of Heaven who prays for the conversion of sinners. She told Adele to offer her communion for sinners. And she said, if they do not convert and do penance, my son will be obliged to punish them. Wow. So that's the first part, first really important part of the message. The second one became the focus of the rest of Adele's life. Our Lady of Good Help said, gather the children in this wild country and teach them what they should know for salvation. So Adele begins trekking through this wilderness from home to home, asking for permission to teach children their catechism. And Our Lady actually said, teach them their catechism and how to approach the sacraments. She went up to 50 miles away from her own home. And we're talking northern Wisconsin. So it was, uh, there's a lot of weather changes in northern <laughs> Wisconsin. And um, then eventually she built a chapel. Pilgrims started to come. And then they had to build a bigger chapel. And then she built a school and uh, taught the children with a with a third order Franciscans uh, group of women who joined her. So we have the apparition happening in 1859. And then in 1871, we have something called the Great Peshtigo Fire. Um, this happened on the same night as the Great Chicago Fire. And a lot of people believe this was the chastisement that Our Lady spoke of when she said, that her son would be punishing those people who did not convert and do penance. So this fire is known as the most devastating fire in the history of America. And it wiped out all the land, all the buildings. It, it, it killed so many people. 
in the in um, an area the size of Delaware. Wow. What what happened during that fire? People were awakened in the night, and many of Adele's followers and believers in the apparition they fled to her chapel, and they sought safety there. They prayed their rosaries, they processed on the grounds, and they held they processed with a statue of Mary above them all night long while the smoke and fire was just swirling around them. Mm. In the morning, a downpour came and everything within the chapel fence was untouched by the flames, but you could look out of the fence and all you could see was charred remains for miles and miles. So this was more verification that our lady had spoken to Adele. And so more pilgrims began to come and, um, They had to build another chapel. And now today we have the National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help, also called Champion Shrine. So that's the story of the apparition. And I just fell in love with it after a visit. It's an incredible story. And I think most people don't know it. Now, Sister uh, Adele, what what religious community did she belong to? She didn't. Um, She was educated by the Ursuline sisters in Belgium. Okay. And so she knew her catechism. I've been very interested to look at what exactly she would have been learning back Mm -hmm. then. But she was, people think she was illiterate. Not until the end of her life did she be, do we have writing from her um, in the form of a ledger that she kept for the school. So she was she was very dedicated to Our Lady. She had gone to her um, first Holy Communion and confirmation, and she had made a promise with some of her friends that they would become missionaries for Our Lady and serve the poor. So when she had to come to America, she was actually very uh, sad about it because uh, she had made this promise with her friends mm. and her priest told her, you know, you need to listen to your parents and you need to go. And if, if you're supposed to be a missionary, it's going to happen. So she just had no idea what was waiting for her here. But she, she wore a habit though. She did wear a habit. She, she wasn't a professed sister. They, they donned the habit as third order Franciscans. Oh, I see. Okay. And she, Sorry. Had, and then she had one eye. Yes. She had one eye. So she had an accident as a child with lye, which is what they would use to make soap. Yeah. And um, so she lost her eye. So yes, on top of having to struggle with the wilderness and um, this mission she was given, she had this disability. She was actually disfigured um, and was missing an eye. So Made of hardy stock, I imagine, to endure such such circumstances. All right, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to have a conversation with Fiona Bell about her book, The Woman in the Trees, published by Tan. And uh, it's an interesting and, and great story, and it wraps itself around the events that took place uh, with the apparitions and the miracle itself. All that coming up right after this break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Share us with friends. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
what do quasi-Christian sects like Jehovah's Witnesses and Star Wars have in common? They all talk about a force. For these sects, the impersonal force is the Holy Spirit. They believe this because in John 14, 26, the Greek word for spirit, pneuma, is neuter, as opposed to personal terms like father and son. So, how do we respond? Well, first, if we hold to this line of reasoning, we're going to have to say God himself is an impersonal force because he's referred to as spirit in John 4, 24. But these sects wouldn't want to make that conclusion. Second, the verse that's used in the objection says of the Holy Spirit, He will teach you all things. Folks, impersonal forces don't teach. So, the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force. He's a person that we can have a relationship with. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Theone Bell is our guest. She has this book out called The Woman in the Trees. We've been talking about this. It's published by Tan. And you can find it over at tanbooks.com, The Woman in the Trees. And I encourage you to pick it up. It's a great book. My daughter got a hold of this and read it in a day. And uh, she just consumed it. She, uh, she was mesmerized by the story. So welcome back to the show, Theone Bell. Um, let's talk about the book a little bit. Uh, tell us, what is the story that you're writing here? Uh, we're talking fiction, but how much of this fiction is based on fact? Theone Bell. Um, well, that was kind of the most important thing for me as I wrote this. Uh, when I fell in love with the, the shrine after a visit, I just began to research it and really just want to dig in as far as I could. I decided I wanted to write for the Catholic world. I started a novena to Our Lady of Good Help. She had already answered several prayers for my family. And I started to get, during the novena, I started to get this scene in my head of a little girl uh, sewing by the fire with her mom and this woman coming to the door, um, this very formidable looking woman with <laughs> one eye. And and how it, that just seems so bizarre to me. So I couldn't get this scene out of my head. And so I, I told our lady, okay, I get it. I'll, I'll write your story. So I spent, I mean, I was up until two or three in the morning digging as far as I could into this. I became... Um, friends with the communications coordinator at the shrine and the archivist at the shrine. And I really tried to stay as true to the story as I could um, and put real life characters, not only Adele, but other families that I learned about who lived in the area and people who had done important things in the Belgian community. I tried to include them. So, uh, so yes, the story is for middle graders and teens, but I hear from a lot of moms that they love it, and they, they've read it before even sharing it with their children. And um, basically, it tells the story of that little girl who's sewing with her mother. And uh, it starts with that great fire in the first chapter that I told you about earlier. And then it flashes back, back and forth between, you know, her immigrating to the United States and what it was like to be isolated out in the wilderness. There's a cholera epidemic, the Civil War. There's an innocent love interest. And um, and then there's her meeting Adele and how, how she learns about the apparition. And she's had a lot of tragedy in her family. Her mother doesn't want her to have anything to do with this strange woman. And um, 
but her father gets snagged by the story and it's kind of this, this journey to her faith. I, I really wanted it to be a book that was catechetical, but it had to be good too. It, it had to be good literature. I didn't, I, I knew that kids wouldn't read it and uh, take in any catechesis from it if it wasn't a good book to read and I, enjoyable. I think it, I was, as I was poking through it, I, I felt like it was really uh, very human in in the storytelling here. So there was uh, obviously this this following this family on this incredible journey and the difficulties they're facing, but it's really the difficulties of all of the, all of these people and how they made these decisions to leave what was known, uh, what was uh, in some ways safe in their home countries to journey across into a new world and into the unknown. And, uh, you know, sort of being uh, somewhat naive about it, about, you know, oh, things are going to be better in the new world. But in reality, things were very harsh. And maybe you can speak to the incredibly harsh conditions that they found themselves in. Well, yeah, when they arrived, they had to sleep outside in little huts that they just kind of threw up overnight. Mm. Um, And that was after riding for weeks in a wagon across the country just to get out to Green Bay. And um, then they had to spend, they spent decades felling those trees and clearing the land. They, they, they never really stopped until the 1900s. Um, they had to cut all those trees down and tear all those roots out. They had to build all their own roads. They didn't have any roads until they had already been there for about five years. But also, you know, cholera swept through, and I discuss this in my book. They didn't have any priests to, to mourn with them and to aid them. Um, they weren't, they were also being kind of picked off by some anti-Catholic movements in the area. It, you know, there was a big problem with that in the U.S. at the time. And so, yeah, they were really isolated and really just alone. But it's kind of what made them so strong. Um. One of the thoughts that came to mind was that when you're talking about the not having the priest part or how difficult that is, is, you know, I think of our own time and how scandalized I was personally when priests locked their doors during the pandemic, 15 days of slow spread that went months. And uh, in some cases now they're requiring, you know, vaccination passes to access the sacraments. And yet I feel like people uh, like these immigrants that you've you know, talked about in your book somewhat shame me a little bit because they had to deal with so much more. But And yet, isn't this exactly why Our Lady uh, came to Adele, to say this is a travesty that has to be corrected? Yes, yes. And so it was Adele's job to address that problem until the churches could be built, until the priests could travel out there. She had to make sure that the children knew their faith and that they had something to hold on to um, while while they were separated from the church for a time. And um, I think that's that's the big message that I take daily from what Mary said. She says, do not be afraid. I will help you. Whatever my job is in educating the children that I have and in trying to educate other people about this message, she's helping me. And I, and I think that was her message to everyone. So this has become a, um, a very serious uh, meditation for me. How am I educating my children? See, Adele responded to Our Lady during the message. And she said, basically, how am I to teach them who know so little? She, she, like I said, she was illiterate 
And I think that about myself. I know moms and dads struggle with that too. How are we supposed to impart our catechism to our children when nowadays I feel like we we ourselves have not been educated in it? I'm a convert, so I obviously wasn't raised Catholic, but educating the children over the last 50 years in the Catholic faith and before has gone way downhill. So we might be able to repeat, you know, the one-liners from the catechism or stuff we picked up in Sunday school, but we don't know those deeper theological and philosophical reasons for why the church teaches what it, what it teaches. And so in a culture like ours, where we're just bombarded all day long by uh, messages and images opposed to our faith, we're very easy to pick off. And so I started to buy catechisms and bring them into my home. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say I read all of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm also, you know, I'm in the struggle with everyone else. But I started to look at my own habits. You know, I'm, I'm preaching even things as simple as the Ten Commandments. But then I'm, I'm envious and I, I, I lack self-control. And I have all these, these habits that psychology tells us we pass down to our children. I, I know every parent has stepped back and said, wow, I think my child picked that up from me. So this time of writing this book um, and praying to Mary was kind of painful, but it was very grace filled because she and our Lord were showing me, listen, you're writing about teaching the children and you're making salvation the most important thing. But what what are, what are the areas in your life that you need to work on? And so I think that if you're really serious about passing the faith on to your kids, it has to be backed up with the study of it. And I know that catechisms are really hard to read. <laughs> and some of this stuff is well over my head. But all the Lord wants to see is that every day you're giving it an effort. And eventually he's going to take you to those people and those resources that, that bring the faith deeper into your family, into your heart. That's incredible. You know, we really do have the most inspiring mother, you know, and she comes and and helps us out. And and we see that in almost every operation. She gives us the advice that we really need at that moment. Um, I'm curious, is there a devotion or anything that uh, that people can can do like a a novena to Our Lady of, of Good Success? Good help. Sorry. Oh, good help. I'm sorry. Um, yes. Yes. She has a novena prayer and the shrine hosts, I think it's four novenas a year, but obviously you've heard I do it all the time. Uh, it's on my website. It's theonibell.com. I have the novena prayer there, and I have um, a summary of the apparitions and the fire, and I have images. I've also uh, got a page that talks about catechisms and gives some options for where to start with those. So the main devotion, I think, is the novena. But if you can get out there, I mean, this is an American apparition, the first and only one. There's nothing like actually visiting this little humble shrine. It's a national shrine, but it's very humble and very moving. Yeah, hopefully more people are inspired to take a pilgrimage here in the United States. I mean, we can't really leave the country unless you're vaccinated. So. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, just about a minute left with our conversation with Theoni Bell, and the book is called The Woman in the Trees. It's published by Tan. Encourage you to pick it up. Uh, great book. Uh, but in a minute left, so why did you go to this shrine to begin with, Theoni? Um, 
I had some prayers and we got on the internet and we discovered it and it was close to us. We lived in the Midwest at the time. And so we drove out there and ended up in the crypt. Um, it's a kind of a basement room where the apparition happened. And we prayed that we could conceive because we were struggling with that. And my husband was trying to get into a philosoph uh, philosophy master's program, a paid position. And we prayed and within three months I had conceived and we had moved to Vancouver, Canada for this program. Mm. So that's why I was moved to, to figure out more about this. While I was writing, I promised Our Lady that I would pray her novena every time I sat down to write and that I would never write if I hadn't been to confession. So I think all of that prayer and dedication to it is really what um, opened me up to be helped. And she did definitely help me during the writing of this book. Answers to novenas all over the place. Amen. Praise be to God. Fiona Bell, thank you for your time today. The book is called The thank Woman you. in the Trees, published by Tan Books. Tanbooks.com. Check it out today. Fiona, have a great day. God, God bless you and God love you. God bless, guys. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Don't forget those car raffle tickets for that Mercedes. You could win, and we get to continue to do Catholic Radio, so it's a winner for everybody involved. Go to grnonline.com for the details. Hey, we'll see you back here Monday morning. If we can't see you next hour, you can always live stream us on our website as well as Facebook, YouTube, Odyssey, Twitter, all of that. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. As a Catholic single, imagine walking up to that pretty lady and saying, Hey, you, get out of my dreams and into my 2022 Midnight Black GLA 250. Well, the GRN has given you a chance to make that dream a reality. Between now and February 21st, go to grnonline.com, buy five tickets for $100 or $25 for one, and let her come to you. Father John Bartunik, in his book, The Better Part, wrote, Gratitude is one of the most beautiful flowers in the whole garden of virtues. It directly contradicts self-centeredness, self-indulgence, and self-absorption. It builds bridges, unites communities, and softens hearts. It encourages and inspires. It cuts through discouragement and counteracts depression. It opens the soul to the truth and releases anxiety. It brings smiles and gladness wherever it blooms. What a pity that it is as rare as it is lovely. When was the last time you were truly grateful to our Lord for the spouse He has given to you? When was the last time that you told your spouse you are very grateful for him or her? Gratitude goes a long way in healing wounds. Give it a try. Go home today and tell your spouse how grateful to God you are that he or she married you. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. It is Friday, January the 21st, 2022. Today is the big day in Washington, D.C. For the, for the Washington March for Life. Last year canceled, so we're praying for a massive crowd this year. But with those mandates the way they are up there, uh, we'll have to just see how that goes. But festivities kick off, I think, at 11 o'clock uh, this morning for their pre-concert uh, type of thing. And then it goes on from there. So let's pray for a successful March for Life today, especially in a day and an age where 71% of Americans, according to a recent poll by the Marist and uh, sponsored by the Knights of Columbus, say Americans want, 71% of Americans support abortion restrictions. And we are seemingly on the cusp of an overturn in Roe v. Wade. So monumental times. Let's pray for a great outcome today. We're going to have a good, a good and fun time with you this hour. We have a good news story for you coming up here in a moment. And then, of course, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And then a little bit of a reflection as well as our game show, Fear and Trembling. And today is the day we give out the prizes. So your last three chances to get in on the prize pack with our wonderful sponsor this week, which is Saint Wave, saintwave.net, generously giving us cool stuff to give to you. Your last three chances will take place at 15 past the hour. So be on ready to call our number and to be our contestant if you would like to get in on that, because we'll pull out a name, and that'll happen today live on the radio. And then, of course, we have our after show where we will conversate with you about whatever is important to you on one of our live video feeds, which you can find linked up on our website. But speaking of website, don't forget... That uh, 2022 GLA Mercedes in night black is going to be given away at the end of February. It could be yours. You might be driving a very cool car, and all proceeds go to support the Guadalupe Radio Network. So if you want to get your tickets nice, quick, and fast, go to the website, grnonline.com. It's secure. And uh, scroll down to you see the Mercedes. Click on that. And it's, it's easy. It's fast. But if you want to 10x your opportunity to support Catholic Radio, instead call your local station manager and talk to them today about how do you can get your tickets, but how you might help sell a few tickets to your friends, your family, your church, your Bible study, whatever. Uh, it all helps to support Catholic Radio, and it would be a huge deal to us. You can find your local station manager's contact information on our website at grnonline.com. Just scroll down until you see my local station section, and you'll see a picture and contact information there. That's grnonline.com. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Man, that car sounds incredible. 
I would like that car. But uh, yeah. I got this bug, you know. I got this mm. bug yesterday. Mm. Like, I need a truck. So I started well, looking you into... Could, uh, you could put the lift package on that. That's true. You know, get it some off-road tires and off-road suspension. So true. You know, replace the front bumper with some, like, an off-road steel thing with a, with a hoist <laughs> on, on the front of it. Some LED lights, you know. <laughs> roof rack. Maybe I don't know about tent. that, Joe. Do some off-roading, man. This would be great. I would love to put all of that stuff you just mentioned uh-huh, on uh-huh. this truck that my dad had. It was Ooh. an 86 wow. uh, Japanese Ram truck. Oh, and uh, yes. man, I, I can't find it. It's so rare. Back but. when Mitsubishi and Dodge yes, were partnerships. Exactly. Yeah, those were the good days. So, dear listener, if you know of a person who has this truck, reach donate, out to me. Donate, to donate the it cost. to me. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. Speaking of Dodge Ram trucks, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, sir. Howdy, howdy. Without Praise tailgates. Be to God. It's good to be here. How and is despite yours? the fact that my <laughs> truck is missing its tailgate still. It's still going to be here. It's out of pure laziness. Pure I could just go laziness. and buy a new one, but I just don't want to. Now, his is more like a Cadillac than it is like that old uh, school Dodge Ram. I don't know about a Cadillac. Yeah, but, uh, it's a couch okay. on wheels, my friend. <laughs> but you know what? Speaking of the March for Life, uh, we are having the March for Life in Austin, Texas. If people are going to the one in D.C., well, praise be to God. I know our friends... The Sundermans will be there. But uh, if you're going to the March for Life in Austin, I will be there with uh, my sisters and a group of friends. I will also be there with the TFP. So if you see some guys with red capes, bagpipes, and a statue of Our Lady of Fatima, well, come and say hello. I would love to meet you. So I'll be there in Austin tomorrow afternoon. Uh, praise be to God. I was just looking at some of the comments of, uh, about one of our car raffle spots. We'll have to look into that. But uh, praise God. Thanks for everybody hanging out with us over on our live video feeds, Mike and, and Nicola and Sonia and Patty and, and Buddy and all of all of our uh, fans hanging out with us on the live video feed, ES Giselle. We're very grateful to you here. Kathy, good morning to you. Katie, good morning. Albie, good morning. Paul, thanks for hanging out. You can hang out with us in the second half of this hour in our after show. Just jump on one of the live video feeds. Again, everything is linked up at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's jump in, let's pray, and let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now your good news story for the day. Epic Times reports, lone freezing woman asks for a ride on her 80th birthday and gets a treat from two strangers. Upon meeting an elderly woman standing alone in a busy Idaho street asking strangers for a ride to her favorite eatery, two men decided to help her out. When they learned it was her 80th birthday, they went one step beyond treating her to breakfast themselves. Benjamin White, leader of Boise, Idaho, told the Epic Times that he and his longtime friend Matthew Peppersack were on their way to work when they saw Zoe. She was standing on a busy street waving cars down. Not one stopped, Benjamin, who's 38, said. I looked at Matt. I told him that she may need help. That's when we met Zoe. Zoe told the men that she had been walking for before her body froze up and she could no longer move. She wanted to go to a Sherry's restaurant for her birthday breakfast. Without hesitation, Benjamin and Matthew helped her onto their truck, but they did more than drop her off. We joined her for breakfast and coffee, asking if we could sit with her, Benjamin said. 
We listen to her story. She's alone, no family here, and no car and no support. The friends kept the lonely birthday girl company for about an hour before paying for her breakfast, each leaving an extra $20 bill for Zoe. Before the trio parted ways, Zoe told her new friends that she was having a birthday party at a local venue that night. Sadly, neither Benjamin nor Matthew could make it, but they shared Zoe's story and her invitation to anyone and everyone on local social media pages in hopes of rallying some support for the friendly octogenarian. Hundreds of comments poured in. Reflecting back, I'm just happy she didn't spend her birthday alone, Benjamin told the Epic Times. Zoe was amazed at her actions. She was so grateful and so full of many stories. She really was an amazing woman. He said he hasn't heard from Zoe uh, or seen her since, but he can only hope that his message reached out. Life is about gratitude and servitude and helping others when we can, he added. Benjamin, who was adopted from Columbia in 1985, is a, handyman, is a handyman business owner by day and a bartender by night. He says he and Matthew have been friends for years and are both proud fathers and share a common interest in serving the community that raised them. We try to help our community as much as possible, from helping people on fixed incomes to moving battered women and children for free, he explained. Looking out for our community, our children, and our elderly, we try to offer positivity. We both struggled to get to where we were, and I know personally I could not have done it without the help of others. Therefore, I have to pay it forward, he reflected. Benjamin was personally hit hard by the pandemic, losing his house, his business, and close friends in 2021 alone. Yet watching his 14-year-old son grow into an amazing young man, he is reminded of what matters the most. That day, outside of the DMV, Zoe mattered. I know how lonely it is this year for so many, Benjamin explained. I just wanted Zoe to feel loved and wanted. It wasn't an act of kindness in my eyes. It was just being a human, showing compassion and love for others. And that's a good Samaritan moment. And that's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Alban Bartholomew Rowe, one of the English martyrs. Bartholomew Rowe was born in 1583 in Suffolk. He was brought up a Protestant and with his brother James converted to Catholicism. And they both became Benedictine monks. Rowe's conversion experience was unusual. He tried to convert an imprisoned Catholic to Protestantism, but found himself defeated in argument. From this time, according to Schallerner, Mr. Rowe was very uneasy in mind upon the score of religion. Nor did this uneasiness cease till by reading and confessing with Catholic priests, he was thoroughly convinced of his errors and determined to embrace the ancient faith. Having found the treasure of God's truth himself, he was very desirous to impart the same to the souls of his neighbors. Consequently, in 1607, he entered the English College of Douai to study for the priesthood. He became a founding member of the English Benedictine community of St. Edmund Paris, hence his religious name, Albin of St. Edmund. Roe was professed in 1612, and after ordination in 1615, he joined the mission and worked in London, being arrested and deported shortly after his arrival. He returned in 1618 and was imprisoned until 1623, whereby his release and re-exile was organized by the Spanish ambassador Gondomar. Richard Schalliner notes him translating several pious tracts into English, some of which he caused to be published and printed, others he left behind him in manuscripts. In 1641, he was transferred to a close confinement and was found guilty of treason under the statute of 27 for being a priest. The judge was intimidated by Roe, and Roe declared, My Savior has suffered far more for me than all that, and I am willing to suffer the worst for, of torment for his sake. The judge sent him back to the prison. He was advised by Charloner, described as some grave and learned priest, to follow the example of those before him and consent to being tried by the court. 
The jury took about a minute to find him guilty. He then, in mockery, bowed low to the judge and the whole bench for granting him the great favor which he greatly desired. The judge suspended the sentence and sent him back to prison for a few days. Rose's fame led to constant stream of visitors, one of whom smuggled in the necessities for him to say mass in his cell. Rowe preached in a jovial fashion to the crowd about the meaning of his death on the way to his execution. He was still playing to the crowd, holding up the proceedings by asking the sheriff whether he could save his life by turning into a Protestant. The sheriff agreed. Rowe then turned to the crowd, declaring, See then what the crime is for what I am to die, and whether religion be not my only treason. St. Alban Bartholomew Rowe, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Gregory the Great said, Or by the pearl of price is to be understood the sweetness of heavenly kingdom, which he that hath found it selleth all and buyeth. For he that, as far as is permitted, has had perfect knowledge of the sweetness of heavenly life, readily leaves all things that he has loved on earth, all that once pleased him among earthly possessions, now appears to have lost all its beauty, for the splendor of that precious pearl is alone seen in his mind. Close quote, St. Gregory the Great. Pray for us. Adrian, anything? Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, one thing, so two things. One, it just made me just triggered in my mind when I was reading the, the saint of the day. Having found the treasure of God's truth himself, he was very desirous to impart the same to the souls of his neighbors. I think that refers directly to what the scripture passage is saying today. Like, if you see a pearl of great price, will you? what will you not give for that pearl? What will you not give for the land which you find great treasure buried there? In the same way, if you find the treasure which is Christ, and according to Cornelius Lapide, he says the precious pearl is Christ. It is also the Blessed Virgin. It is also the religious state, and it's also charity. Those are the things in which uh, Cornelius Lapide uh, correlates the pearl to. And so if you find Christ and you find the Blessed Virgin, you should try to give this to as many people and let everyone know. Uh, but we also have to recognize what comes before this passage, which is not to cast pearls at swine. So don't give to someone who is going to blaspheme, who's going to commit sacrilege. Don't give them something that is so precious and beautiful lest they commit sacrilege and blasphemy, which is bad for their soul. But more importantly, it is an offense against God. And so we have to keep that in mind. And I think we'll leave that there for now uh, because we have to Praise also to give away the prizes. Uh, yes, we have. Today's the day we give out prizes. So we're going to do one last chance to get in on the prize pack before we pull out a winner. It could be you. You could win, but you have to call right now. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back and play our game Fear and Trembling. And uh, we'll have a laugh in the process. And then we'll pull a name and announce the winner live on the radio at 
877-757-9424. If you've never called, it's fun. Try it. 877-757-9424. If it's been a while for you, you can call back. 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call now. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So you're not allowed to tell anybody what I'm about to tell you. My secrets and, and, and agendas have to be kept between us. And if you're willing to do that, then I shall share them with you now. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before about your Catholic faith or some other trivia type of thing. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. And our callers tend to be really fun. They laugh with us. They're great sports. We enjoy that more than anything, I think. And number three, we like to give out prizes, and today's the day we give out those prizes. But if you're new here, praise be to God, we're grateful to have you. Here is the deal. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, and the caller does not need to know any of these answers. They can get all of them 
you know, they might not know any of the correct answers, and yet they could still win. And the reason is because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. And every correct answer that the caller says, I trust Rudy or I trust Adrian, then that answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. And today's that day. Rudy, what could they win? By the way, I'm always right. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Or <laughs> you're always to the right of me. Hey, confessions tonight, the men's recollection. I'm just going to put that out there. I'll, I'll remember that one yeah. for tonight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, the sponsor this week is Saint Wave. Based out of D.C., Saint Wave is a one-man operation created and run by a convert to the Catholic faith. Sometimes influenced by different 80s subcultures, other times by minimalist aesthetics, but always influenced by the heroes of the church. Though the designs stay up to date and are original, the greatest benefit is that they are open opportunities to evangelize. Oh, and while looking really stylish, maybe in that 1986 truck that I mentioned. Hey, now. Our winner this week will receive a Life is Worth Living Fulton Sheen Mm t-shirt. And you can see St. Wave's latest designs and other items such as stickers, tote bags, and hats on their website, saintwave.net. Praise be to God. Thank you, saintwave.net, for your generous Gift, allowing us to give cool stuff to our listeners. We're very grateful to you, saintwave.net. All right, it's time to play our game. Let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Mary, Rita. Yes, sir. Hey, where are you calling from? Alito, Texas. Where is Alito, Texas? It's west of Fort Worth before you get to Weatherford. Oh, okay. Praise be to God. Well, Mary, we're very excited to have you on our program today. I think you're a first-time caller, are you not? I am, but not a first-time listener. Praise be to Jesus. Well, we're very grateful to have you on our show today. Uh, Where do you go to church, Mary Rita? Holy Redeemer. Nice. Praise God. And how was your New Year so far? Do you have any resolutions that you've been struggling to keep? Um, Working on um, the—oh, I can't think of the word now. Values, (laughs) but it's not values. Virtues. 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 Yeah, praise be to God. You and all of us together. I have, like, one of those. (laughs) (laughs) I just (laughs) one. Well, you said you've been listening, uh, Mary Rita, so you know the deal then. You know the rules. You know how the game is played? Yes, sir. All right. Are you ready to go then? I am. Let's do this. We will go to uh, Rudy first, as is our tradition. Rudy, are you ready? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about it. I think so. (laughs) Okay. Rudy, can you tell me, when was the first March for Life in America? Hmm. Well, uh, let's see here. I'm going to go with January 22nd, 1974. Hey, now. That's a good year. Was it? That is is an excellent year. Was that the year you were born? How did you know? Really? That's amazing. No way. Are you a prophet? I am. Just curious. Actually. Uh, Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, when was the first March for Life in America? When was the first March for Life in America? Yes. Um... That would have been 1973 <laughs> on January 22nd. Huh. See, Mary Rita, what I have to deal with here, the trickiness, the subtleties. We have to listen carefully here. So here's the deal. When was the first March of Life? Adrian seems to think it took place on January the 22nd, 1973. Whereas Rudy seems to think it took place on January 22nd, 1974. An excellent year, by the way. 
Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary Rita, what say you? It is 1974 because sadly 1973 was the day of the decision. Wow. wow. Very confident answer. Survey says. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah. That was excellent. Yes. I was so worried I was going to get. That was. Uh, that was it. <laughs> But that was great. Yeah, seventy three was what, a, was. What were you worried about? January twenty second, seventy three was the day that the Roe v. Wade was passed, and so yeah. the next year on that date was the first March for Life. So that's correct. Well done, Mary Rita. Well done. Praise well, be to as God. As a matter of trivia, I went to Catholic University where I met my husband in Ooh. D.C. And so Praise we God. at that time got to attend the March for Life. How cool is that? Praise be to God. That's amazing. That is so awesome. All right. Well, God is so good. All right. So these are going to be easy questions for you then, Mary. You're knocking these things out of the park. Uh, Let's go to the second one. You're in for one. You're going to be in for two. I can see it coming. We're going to go to Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me? That's me. I'm Adrian. I have another question besides asking you. How about that? Okay. Okay. Adrian, can you tell me? Yes. Where was mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade decided? Where was it decided? Yes, it was decided in Dallas, Texas. Unfortunately, only four hours from where we are right now. Okay. Uh, Rudy, you're a legal expert of some kind, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can you tell me where was Roe v. Wade decided? Look, there's no need to make this all so complicated. It no? was obviously uh-huh. done in uh-huh. Rowe, Kansas. <laughs> I'm sorry, one more time. Rowe, Kansas. <clears throat> sorry, Rowe, Kansas. I got a little I got a little morning phlegm going. Rowe, Rowe, you said Rowe, Rowe Kansas. Rowe. That's correct. Uh-huh. Is that like outside Wichita or something? <laughs> is that is that next to McCorkey, Kansas? <laughs> hmm. All right. Here's the deal, Mary Rita. Uh, Rudy seems to think it took place in Rowe, Kansas. Whereas Adrian seems to think it was Dallas, Texas. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary Rita, what say you? Sadly, Dallas, Texas. Survey says. Excellent. She's not getting that part. There's zero zero chance she doesn't get all three. Softball question. Wow. Congratulations. You're in for two, Mary Rita. Those were two very easy questions. Let's see if we can't mix this up a little bit uh, with this third one. But I'm going to be honest with you. I... I don't think you're going to find this hard at all. It is well, the hardest question we've ever had. Uh, ever? Ever. You this said that yesterday. Easily the hardest question About ever the other question yesterday. I'm just telling you, this is the, well, I mean, yeah, today is a new day. Are you keeping track this of all the, the hardest questions I ever? I am. This is the hardest question we've ever had. At Mary Reed, I, I don't think it's this hard. I'm just going to say that. All right, here we go. Back to Rudy. Rudy, what group overwhelmingly leads the pro-life movement in America? That is a really easy, easy question. Yeah. Okay. The answer is the Catholic Church. The really? one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Interesting. We so, are the leaders. Okay. The most okay. outspoken. The most outspoken. Okay. Well, let's just get a second opinion here. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me what group overwhelmingly leads the pro-life movement? Well, I hate to break it to us Catholics, but... The evangelicals have us beat. Do they? Yeah. You think so? Evangelicals lead the pro-life movement. I mean, if you go to a pro-life rally, uh-huh. all you see is uh-huh. them praying their evangelical rosaries all over the place uh, <laughs> and holding what? up their what? their what? images what? of huh? evangelical, what? like empty, empty what? signs uh, what because say? they don't have images of anything. 
and em- empty uh, crucifixes and der- empty crucifixes and statues of Our Lady and uh, just no, no just just bases because they can't have statues <laughs> and they're just carrying bases <laughs> they carry the base of yeah. the statue yeah. did you just say that out loud yeah okay <laughs> uh, <clears throat> sorry evangelical I, I gotta be the professional here. okay Mary Reed, here's the deal so the question is what group overwhelmingly leads the pro-life movement and uh, Adrian seems to think it's evangelicals but Rudy seems to think it's the Catholic Church 15 seconds on the clock who is right who is wrong who's just being silly Mary Rita, what say you? It's got to be the Catholic. <laughs> yeah, survey says. Easy. Wow. All softball yeah, questions that... for Mary Rita today on her first call ever on the yeah, show. Yeah, that was Praise great. Be to God. Well, Mary Rita, uh, thank you for playing our game and having a laugh with us. Uh, we're very grateful. And i got to tell you, I think it's the coolest thing ever that you shared that story about how you met your husband and participated <laughs> in that march. That is super neat. But we're, we're, I think uh, Rudy right now is putting your name in the cup, are you not? And yeah, you're shuffling you're all. You're mixing it all up. So I, I can't say, Mary Rita, whether or not it is God's will that you will be drawn out of that cup, but it's possible. It's quite possible. All right. I and have a ticket in my hand. Do you have a ticket in your hand? Our winner is Kim Sunderman. Oh, Kim Sunderman! Praise be to God. Congratulations, Congrats. Kim. Well, Mary Rita, I'm sorry it wasn't God's will that your name come out of the cup today. Oh, well. But it was fun. Thanks for calling in. Next time. You were a lot of fun. Thanks for doing that. And thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time. We really appreciate that. God love you. Have a great day, Mary Rita. Thank you. Praise be to Jesus. Enjoy your day in freezing Texas weather, I guess. (laughs) I guess. Uh, Yes, it is. Yes, it is. God love you. All right. That is going to do it for the uh, rest of our radio program for this whole week because it's Friday. Good grief. What happened to the week? Your we weekend is upon you now. You get to enjoy your weekend. Hopefully, you'll go to one of the pro-life rallies near you, if not in Washington, D.C., if you do. Come uh, say hi to me if you're in Austin. In Austin, talk to uh, Adrian Fonseca. We'd love to get the report on that on Monday. But if you want to hang out with us for the after show, go to one of our live video feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get those links. And don't forget to pick up your car raffle tickets and support Catholic Radio. God love you and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Feast of St. Agnes. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. 
hills prevailing, for still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners, Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, who chose what is weak in the world to confound the strong, Mercifully grant that we who celebrate the heavenly birthday of your martyr, St. Agnes, may follow her constancy in the faith through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Consider your own calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Rather, God chose the foolish of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly and despised of the world those who count for nothing, to reduce to nothing those who are something, so that no human being might boast before God. It is due to him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, as well as righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, whoever boasts should boast in the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verdant pastures he gives me repose. Beside restful waters he leads me, he refreshes my soul. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side, with your rod and your staff that give me courage. The, the Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Only goodness and kindness follow me, 
all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Remain in my love, says the Lord. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate one of the most illustrious martyrs in the history of the church, St. Agnes. In Greek, her name means pure or chaste. And at age 12, she was able to give a pure and chaste witness to Jesus, her spouse, as she was martyred in the year 304. In fact, she suffered terrible tortures, including being thrown into fire, which she came out unscathed but many tortures for refusing to follow the government dictates to honor idols. We do not do that. We won't even offer a pinch of incense to false gods. We belong to the Most Holy Trinity, and we must stay faithful. Purity of body is chastity, and St. Agnes lived this. Purity of heart is charity, St. Agnes lived this. Purity of faith is orthodoxy, St. Agnes lived this. She was placed in chains as she was led to be beheaded finally. After many people offered to take her in marriage, other people threatened her, she just kept her focus on Christ. These chains clanged and rang because there were no chains that were small enough to hold her. This little 12-year-old girl freely went to martyrdom and she testified to the true God. And this is what we're called to, my brothers and sisters, in this day and age. And one way we can do that is to stand up 
for the legal protection of the unborn children, which in the United States of America tomorrow is a day of prayer for the legal protection of unborn children. We're going to make prayer and penance and almsgiving our focus tomorrow in order to win the graces that will end abortion, that will bring about a civilization of love, that will overcome the culture of death for the victory of the culture of life. We're close to the overturning of Roe versus Wade, that horrible decision in 1973 that has resulted in anywhere from 62 to 65 million babies aborted. So I'm preparing you for tomorrow. Although we use the example of St. Agnes to stand up and have the courage to make little sacrifices on our part compared to her sacrifice for the respect of life as sacred from conception to natural death. And so tomorrow is a day of prayer for the full restoration of the legal guarantee of the right to life and of penance for violations to the dignity of the human person committed through acts of abortions. And so we, we pray, we fast, we give alms, or we may even participate in special events like the March for Life, whether that be on a national or state level, to overturn Roe versus Wade. Now I want to share with you some quotes from St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta on abortion. First, any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love, but to use any violence to get what it wants. Second, it is a poverty to decide that a child must die so that you, ma you may live as you wish. Third, what is taking place in America, Mother Teresa said, is a war against the child. And if we accept that the mother can kill her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? Fourth, mother said, but I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion. The greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion because it's a war against the child a direct killing of the innocent child, murder by the mother herself. And if we accept that a mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? How do we persuade a woman not to have an abortion? As always, we must persuade her with love. And we remind ourselves that love means to be willing to give until it hurts. Jesus gave even his life to love us. And the last one I have time to share with you is Mother's famous quote, even in the placed in the Wall Street Journal on February 25th, 1994. America needs no words from me to see how your decision in Roe versus Wade has deformed a great nation. The so-called right to abortion has pitted mothers against their children and women against men. 
It has sown violence and discord at the heart of the most intimate human relationships. It has aggravated the derogation of the father's role in an increasingly fatherless society. It has portrayed the greatest of gifts, a child, as a competitor, an intrusion, and an inconvenience. It has nominally accorded mothers unfettered domination over the independent lives of their physically dependent sons and daughters. And in granting this unconscionable power, it has exposed many women to unjust and selfish demands from their husbands or other sexual partners. Human rights are not a privilege conferred by government. They are every human being's entitlement by virtue of his humanity. The right to life does not depend and must not be declared to be contingent on the pleasure of anyone else, not even a parent or a sovereign. Remember, God is the author of life. And let us take the example of St. Agnes being pure and chaste in our commitment to stand up for life, to give testimony as martyrs to the sanctity of life from conception to natural death. Please pray fast, give alms tomorrow for the overturning of Roe versus Wade and for an end to abortion. Amen. We now stand to place our prayers and petitions before the throne of the Most Holy Trinity with faith and confidence in God's infinite mercy. For an end to abortion, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the end to the development, production, and testing of vaccines and medicines on aborted fetal cells or cell lines, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For an end to harvesting of organs from aborted fetuses, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For an end to all offenses against the sacredness of life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the overturning of Roe versus Wade, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of our lives and all the lives that you have granted to mankind. Anoint us in the Holy Spirit to embrace your goodness and your gifts. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now from the heavens descending is seen a glorious light. The bride of Christ in splendor arrayed in purest white. She is the holy city whose radiance is the grace. Of all the saints in glory from every time and place. This is the hour of gladness for bridegroom and for bride. The Lamb's great feast is ready, his bride is at his side. How blessed are those invited to share his wedding feast. The least become the greatest, the greatest are the least. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands. 
for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. May the offerings we bring in celebration of blessed Agnes win your gracious acceptance, O Lord, we pray, just as the struggle of her suffering and passion was pleasing to you, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you are glorified when your saints are praised. Their very sufferings are but wonders of your might. In your mercy you give our door to their faith. To their endurance you grant firm resolve, and in their struggle the victory is yours through Christ our Lord. Therefore all creatures of heaven and earth sing a new song in adoration, as we with all the host of angels cry out, and without end we acclaim, Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Lenisum Celia Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples saying, take this all of you and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Mysterium Fidei Mortem tuam annunciamus Domine, et tuam resurrectionem confitemur, donec venias. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. 
Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Panis Angelicus, 
Hit panis obinum, dat panis celicus, figuris terminum. O res mirabilis, manducat dominum, Pauper servus et humilis. Tetrina deitas unaque poshimus, signos tu visita, Sicute colimus, per tuas semitas, dugnosque tendimus, ad lucem in the bread of angels was made the bread of man. He confined heavenly bread to a thing of size and shape. Oh, oh, oh marvelous thing! That a poor man, a humble servant, should eat the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who bestowed on blessed Agnes a crown among the saints for her twofold triumph of virginity and martyrdom, grant we pray through the power of this sacrament that bravely overcoming every evil, we may attain the glory of heaven. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Benedicat vos omnipotens Deus Pater et Filius et Spiritus Sanctus. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. Come, brethren, follow where our captain trod, our king victorious, Christ the Son of God. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, 
Till all the world adore His sacred name. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.